Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Forever Student. Last week, we had Dr. Lisa Miller on the show, and we spoke about the fascinating intersection between science and spirituality. Because we ran out of time, we had to give you all another episode. So here it is, the continuation of last week's episode with Dr. Lisa Miller. Enjoy. And we are back, round two, with Dr. Lisa. Welcome back to the show. It's great to be back. I so enjoyed our first conversation. I couldn't wait to pick it up. Fantastic. And, you know, one of the reasons that we had to do a round two is because we didn't even speak about your book. And I think it, it, it is going to be a key focus of our conversation today. So the first question is, um, what is the reason that you wrote The Awakened Brain? I wrote The Awakened Brain because I could see all around me that in our global post-industrial culture, there's so much suffering that comes from the absence of a mass realization that we're naturally spiritual beings. There's so much felt isolation, splinteredness, discontent, and real lost feelings, particularly in this time of COVID. And it comes from this mass sort of normative way of thinking I'll just feel better if I can take control of my life. I'll just feel better if I can somehow get what I want and have what I've always dreamed of. And this way of thinking, this acquisitor way of thinking, is really in the air and water of global post-industrial culture. It doesn't matter which country you're in. We really have this sense of somehow I'm going to get my way to where I want to be, and then I'll feel better. It's the psychology of our global post-industrial culture. And what people find, I hear this time and time again, is that I went after it. It was that job. It was that car. It was that woman. It was that X, Y, Z. And I got it. And you know what? The hole just got deeper. The hunger just got worse. It was exciting for about two days. And then it almost vanishes like the carrot, like the, you know, the legendary carrot that we chase in life. So why is that? Well, that has to do with a habit of perception. And we have within us, every single one of us, a natural seat of perception that runs life quite a bit differently. We have in us the ability to not just want to get and have and control, but instead to sort of shift almost like your hand on a gear shift into a way of being where life is instead of having and getting, it's much more about discovering. And as we discover, expanding into being more, felt growth. And then in that growth, loving so much more, loving each other, brother, sister, homeless guy, boss, employee, and expanding our embrace and love to all living beings, our beautiful, fragile earth. So a life that instead of about getting, having, and controlling starts to become a life of discovery, of expanding, of loving, and embracing this life, door number two, that's a sustainable life. That is a life full of surprises. That is a life that is the opposite of suffering because every time I don't get what I want, you know, I shared with you a bit about the red door and the yellow door. You know, I want that red door. I want that red door, that job. And I want that because everything that's led up to this moment in my life says that red door is really where it's at. You know, that is the wealth. That is the prestige. That is the door that's going to make everything great. 
and I can be prepared. You know, I can go to super schools and I can have a strategic approach to my life and I can tactically get A plus B plus C all queued up for the red door. And no matter how well that's done, if I reach for that red door, it still can be stuck. And that can be shocking because in the world of control and having and getting A plus B plus C usually equals D, but sometimes it doesn't. And when that red door is stuck, when everything I've reached for is stuck, I have no choice. It could be very disappointing. It could be infuriating. It could be depressing. But I have no choice in time but to back off and say, well, what is life showing me now? The type of disappointment and suffering that comes from loss, that comes from not getting what we want, can be the beginning to saying, hey, what really is my higher power showing me now? What really is before me? I can see the red door is not, but what is? And if I look right and left, suddenly for the first time ever, I can see the yellow door. And the yellow door, I mean, I might have told you there were not even yellow doors in life, but the yellow door may open to a job, a person, a direction, a new city to live in, I had never dreamed would be part of my life. And it could be, and often is, a far better fit. It wasn't the thing I wanted. It was better than the thing I wanted. It was more right for me as I came to see. That yellow door being open, my crossing over the threshold to this new landscape could only be possible because the red door was stuck. And so in life, it is equally important that what we want sometimes doesn't happen as it is that we can then discover our true path. And when we look at the unprobabilistic way in life that red doors get stuck and yellow doors get open, we start to realize that life is not of our making, that there's maybe a tiny little bit of control. I could put my hand on the gear shift, but the landscape I'm driving like a pilot or a driver of any major vehicle in life is not making the weather, is not setting the conditions. We can drive, but we cannot control the universe. And this notion that yellow doors are there waiting for us is one that leads us to realize that we are built in such a way as to be in dialogue with life. And evermore, we are built in such a way that we are guided. So when we have a really tough decision to make, I mean, you know, do I get married? I mean, do I pick up my family and move across the world? Do I make a change that is going to be everlasting its ripples for myself and my family. That is not a choice that our deepest, wisest part of ourselves says, well, let's add up A plus B plus C and figure out what the variables produce. Those major choices in life are choices where we turn to our deepest inner wisdom, the breakthrough of what higher power are you telling me now? Whether your term is Allah, God, Jesus, the universe, force, Hashem, whatever your word might be, what are you showing me now? What does this awakened part of my deepest form of human knowing say you are saying to me now? That is a dialogue. And we could do an exercise if you'd like, where we... Absolutely. Love it. Let's do it. Great. So this is an exercise in what I call the road of life. 
I'm going to invite you to take seven breaths, clear out your inner space. I invite you now into a time in your own life where you had A plus B plus C all lined up, where you had done everything right and you had planned this and prepared, and it was in the bag, nine out of 10, even more certain that that red door was yours. But when you reached for it, it was stuck and you pulled and you may have hit your kicked your foot and hit your head, it was stuck. But only because it was stuck in your road of life, you made a hairpin turn and you found a yellow door that opened up into something that was absolutely life-changing. You met someone, you went somewhere, you found a job, enrolled in the school, made a change, a hairpin turn. And what was on the other side of that yellow door and how has it opened into your life now? So let's go back to this hairpin turn. At this point, was there anyone you met on your road of life when that red door was stuck, when you were so angry, agitated, disappointed, maybe even depressed, someone showed up a helper, a guide, someone I call a trail angel, a trail angel on your road of life. It could be someone that you've known for years. It could be a grandparent, a best friend, or it could be someone who suddenly you met, a coworker, someone on the bus, a new friend. What did the helper, the healer, the trail angel say to you around the time of that hairpin turn that got you looking around the bend to the yellow door. And now that you have on your hairpin turn, a red door, a yellow door, a helper, a healer, a trail angel, I invite you to step way back way back and look at this moment in your precious journey. Where in this picture is your higher power? Where is God, Allah, Jesus, your spirit guide? Where the highest power in your picture? And now I invite you to do this two more times so that you might identify two more hairpin turns where the road rose up to meet you, where despite your plans, the stuck red door was as essential to your hairpin turn as the open yellow door, where you made that turn because you found a helper, a healer. Someone you'd known for years said just the right thing someone appeared into your life to direct you. And stepping back, I invite you to draw now your journey, your precious road of life. 
with the first three hairpin turns to bring you where you are today. And stepping back where again is your higher power in this dialogue between our will, your will, and the road of life. Where is your higher power? And when you're ready, I invite you to lay this out, draw this, and ask you, do we control life? Or is life an engaged dialogue where we can prepare and we need to be ready to achieve, but how the hairpin turns, the most precious yellow doors in our lives arrive is in our openness, the deeper, wiser part of our inner knowing that awakens to the spirit, the highest power in and through our lives. We are guided. We are in relationship. That was great. I think the, the two challenges are always to one, take that step back when the red door is in front of you, that's not opening, instead of trying to force it open. And the second thing is, I'm not sure if surrender is the right word, but to, to surrender and to just see where life takes you by trusting in your higher power. And then the yellow door will appear. Is that kind of correct? I think that's beautifully put. And so what you then describe is a life of discovery. Yeah, totally. And over time, um, a release, a comfort with not getting what I thought I wanted. Because what I thought I wanted is only historically based. It has only to do with today back over the years of my life. Whereas what's through the yellow door and the flash that comes, whether it's through a synchronicity or an intuition or a mystical direction or a moment of prayer and meditation, that flash is very high pixel information that contains the future. It's like a seed that will grow forward. It has a forward teleology arc into the future. Yeah. Forward information, that high pixel information is revealed over time. It's significance, it's essence, but we know that it's real and we know that it's precious and we know that it's, it is the, the headlamp on the road of life. I think we, uh, we, we need to be more comfortable not trying to be in control. I think our ability to, to let go of control a little bit more or not being fixated on the outcome necessarily, because if you, you know, A plus B plus C, if it does not equal D, to be okay with it, to not be devastated and to take that step back, surrender, and the yellow door will appear. I think it's something that our society as a whole struggles with tremendously. And I'm sure that, you know, a lot of our listeners have too. Um, but I think, you know, the process you've just taken us through and the process of just listening to that practice is, um, is going to be very, very helpful. I can share with you the science on which this is based. So I would, yeah, I would love to hear the science of, of, of that and, and any other sort of science that you've used, um, within your book as well. I think it'd be very helpful for, for people to now hear that connection between spirituality and science, something that, um, I didn't even believe existed until until I listened to you recently. 
So you, you, you started so generously by asking why I wrote The Awakened Brain. And I saw the type of suffering that we've just explored, the sort of day in and day out frustration, disappointment, depression of not getting what I want. And when I do, it lasts for just a moment. It's fleeting, ephemeral, and I want more. So really, I saw that our society was locked into just one very narrow alleyway of all that we might be. When you think of the extraordinary human range of perception and capacity, this is just one little alleyway. I've got to get it. I want it. We're so much more. Every single one of us is so much more. And in the awakened brain, I show based on science, how the choice to move into a dialogue with life is a choice that realizes far more of our whole humanity. It makes a fuller use of our innate capacity. And so the alternative to narrow achieving awareness is a balance, a blend between going after what we want and then, ah, this looks like a hairpin turn, realizing in balance, there are times to awaken to this deeper dialogue with life that God, my higher power is showing me, guiding me, revealing to me so that we move between a stance of assertive going and getting and grabbing and getting and discovery, realization, deepening love, awe, surprise. Life is full of magnificent surprises. This balance is what makes life extraordinary. I call it life as a quest. And it turns out that we are hardwired. Every single one of us is born with a brain, perfectly equipped and ready to go to live life in a state of quest. To do that, given how most of us are educated in this global post-industrial culture is to build the muscle a little bit around awakened awareness and then start to dialogue between our awakened awareness and our achieving awareness. The exercise we just shared was a form of awakening to the dialogue in life. The more we take time to reflect in a practice such as that, the more we come to see that, yes, we are in dialogue. I've got to get going. I've got to get my kid to school. I've got to do a solid job at work. And I've got to say, wow, wow. It was very unprobabilistic that of all days today at work, someone new came in and said, you know what? You look like just that type of person that should go adopt a child. <laughs> That's quite unprobabilistic. What is life showing me now? What higher power, my word is God, are you saying through the trail, trail angels, the messengers, who we are to one another. This is the balance. So I'll share with you that this capacity we identified using MRI studies, the capacity to be awakened, we found in 18 through 24 year olds, my spirituality, mind, body Institute at Columbia partnered up with an MRI team at Yale Medical School. And we invited an 18 through 24 year old. Some were students, some were members of the community. And we said, hey, come on in. We want you to tell us three stories. Could you tell us about the time that you were really stressed? Could you tell us about the time where you were just chill, relaxed? And then please, can you tell us when you were in a deep connection, a relationship with your higher power? The first thing we found was that the stress stories were nothing as we might have expected. So we could even do you wanna, we could, we could treat this as somewhat of an exercise. I invite you and our friends to think about a time when you were really stressed. 
really stress. Okay. Well, here's what the stress stories sound like amongst our participants in New Haven. I got to get into medical school. I've been turned down at five of seven medical schools. I have got to get into medical school. I have got to get that job at JP Morgan Chase. I must get that job. I've got to, got to, got to. I've got to get her to come out on me. So it was a sense that somehow what I wanted was a fingertip away and I have to have it. I have to have it. It was a run on the treadmill with the hand reaching out. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And when they got it, I've got to get that residency. I've got to get that medical residency. I've got to get that job as an attending physician. I've got to get it. So it never ended. What went off in the MRI in the typical chase for A plus B plus C was the insulin striatum, which my colleague said, this is someone who for 30 years has studied addictions. That is the addicted brain. The I've got to have it brain, whether it's the job at JP Morgan or the medical school or the date or the money or the status, the I've got to have it is a stance, a mental stance of addiction, a way of being within ourselves. And the, what goes off in the MRI, the fMRI, which it shows the blood flow, tracks the circuits we're using, is the addiction loop. The thing about an addiction is that our way of being, I've got a habit, can be turned and put on alcohol. It can be turned and put on drugs. I've got a habit is a global cultural inculcation into addiction and misery, a never-ending lack of satisfaction. And so in this living moment, in the MRI, in this living moment of our lives, more generally, we can say, let's put our hands on the gear shift. And can you take me out of the stress moment which was really more foundationally the addictive got to have it moment and put me into a time where you felt a deep connection with your higher power in a similarly trying time. And the narrative unfolds from the very same adult entirely differently. The narrative shifts to, I'd just gotten turned down at five out of seven medical schools and I'm feeling like such a loser. I've got to get into medical school. I'll never be a doctor like my father or mother. And I'm feeling so bad about myself and that I've let down myself and my family. I'm such a loser. But then I see light in the leaves and I feel God's presence. I know my higher power has a plan for me and that I will be a healer in the way my higher power intends for me. And then Sitting by my parents and grandparents in my childhood house of worship, I realized, of course, there is love built into life, and I will find the partner that is right for me. My higher power will bring him or her to me. And then I realize a complete reshuffling of meaning. And in these moments, we are clear. We know in the deepest, truest part of our inner wisdom that we are loved and held that we are guided and that we are never alone. Loved and held, guided, and that we are never alone. It is a foundationally reshuffling of meaning. Same person, same life circumstance, and yet it all looks different through our awakened brain. Our awakened awareness then opens up the doorway, the yellow door, so that we can actually walk into that new landscape. 
So awakened awareness is essential to a full thriving life that we can realize our path, our spiritual soul's code, our journey. It allows us to see what is in store for us. It gives us the love, the guidance. It is a gift. It is a gift. It is a sacred journey, a sacred path in life. What's beautiful is that what we showed in the MRI as awakened awareness is true whether or not, I mean, the neural correlates are identical, whether we are Muslim, Christian, Hindu, Jewish, spiritual, but not religious, we all have the same neural circuit running when we realize that we are in deep relationship with our higher power. We are built with an awakened brain ready to be engaged. What's even more beautiful is that when we switch scientific lenses, so we move from an MRI study to a twin study, a genotyping or a twin study, we see that this capacity is innate. Every one of us is born on day one, a physical being, an emotional being, a cognitive being, and a spiritual being. We are all spiritual beings. Twin studies look at twins raised together, twins raised apart, and factor out the degree of commonality as a function of genes and environment. So for instance, temperament, a newborn baby, you think of a baby, definitely has a temperament. We are outgoing or we are more introverted. We are high strung or we are more laid back. These are hardwired. And yet by the time we're grown up, temperament is half innate, half environmentally formed. It's shaped by soothing the baby, talking ourselves down, learning about social norms. The capacity through which we experience the transcendent relationship, this daily felt connection with our higher power is one third innate. We all have this. Two thirds environmentally formed. Our beautiful faith traditions, again, whether it's Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, Catholic, Our beautiful faith traditions are the gift of our ancestors. They are the gift of our community and they form the rich embrace around our innate spiritual capacity. But no matter what faith tradition or if we come to our spiritual path in other ways, nature, family, art and music, we are all spiritual beings. This capacity that went off in the MRI and suddenly I realized that my higher power walks with me. I am loved, I am guided, I am never alone. That is all of ours. And yes, that is our pathway out of the misery of narrowly hitting our head against the red door. Beautifully said. I know we're, again, running out of time as always, but I think one one last question I had um, is what are, what are some of the, I suppose, the more surprising findings um, within your book? And um, and if we could round it off, uh, I know we touched on it briefly last time, is how do we, um, what are some practices outside of the ones that you've provided us already that people can do on a more daily basis to um, ignite or reignite their awakened brain? So in the awakened brain, I share a number of practices through which we can awaken our birthright, our natural gift. Every one of us is born with an awakened brain, ready to go quarter inch under the surface. So it's not that difficult. It's all of ours. That said, that said, um, I want to get to your question, which was what is the most surprising? 
find it in science. And I will share that I find this to be the most beautiful, moving finding in science as well. Um, very often people will say that when I'm in a deep state of prayer, a deep state of meditation, I feel a sense of oneness with all life. Or I had a mystical experience where suddenly I saw in a single blade of grass, all the universe. Or walking through the desert, I could feel I was part of my ancestors through eternity and all time. So we have moments where we know in our deepest seat of inner wisdom, our deepest knowing that we're part of a oneness. Well, it turns out that the spiritually engaged brain gives off a wavelength that we can capture through EEG off the back of the head. It is posterior high amplitude alpha. High amplitude alpha goes by another name in another field, same wavelength. It is Schumann's resonance, which is the wavelength from the Earth's crust up one mile all the way around the Earth. Schumann's resonance, a single Schumann's resonance is the wavelength, the foundational wavelength of nature. The spiritually engaged brain vibrates at the same wavelength as all life. Our felt sense of returning to nature is indeed a return to nature. And the experience of oneness is mirrored by the oneness of the wavelength that I think someday our grandchildren and great-grandchildren will say, well, but of course, that was sacred consciousness. That's unitive consciousness. When we are in a spiritually engaged inner place of being, when we awaken, we truly return to our oneness with all life. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Dr. Lisa, I would like to once again thank you for, for taking the time to be with us today. Um, very excited to have had you for two episodes. And I think the listeners can agree that we got a tremendous amount of value out of this. So with that said, we're forever grateful. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Such a joy. I can't wait to come see you in person. Same here. 